This is a podcast from Minute Media. everybody to the Lakers Legacy podcast where we are now less than a month away till the NBA trade deadline as the NBA world all awaits with braided breath as to what happens to Kent Bazemore and DeAndre Jordan because as we all know nothing can happen until those two dominoes fall. I'm your host Jonathan Hernandez and I'm joined by my co-host Tommy Alexander and Alan Riley. Tommy, your temperature check on the Bazemore and DeAndre sweepstakes and the baseline amount you'd accept in a trade for these two premium assets. <laughs> ben Simmons only. Ben, ben Simmons, Simmons or only. Nothing. <laughs> no, I give me a second round. Okay, for DeAndre, just the if we can get rid of him without having to dump a second round pick, that would be a huge win. And I think there are ways to maybe try to do that. If, if we're sending cash and I don't know the rights to international players or something like that, like basically what we did for, uh, you know, the Rondo thing that would require some team actually needing Deandre though. But anyway, and, and then for Bays, if we could get a second round pick, you know, that would yeah, be good. I agree with you. Um, okay. So for this episode, we're just going to kind of have a, a scattered, open-ended episode on any stray trade deadline thoughts we have regarding the Lakers as we charge towards that 210 date. THT is now officially eligible to be traded, but we're hearing his market. And, and maybe this isn't a report, but Pincus kind of Eric Pincus from Bleacher Report has measured his market out to be of the to be in line with the Terrence Ross, Eric Gordon variety. In which case, forget about that. Um, We've also learned that Palinka may be trying to move off Kent Bazemore and DeAndre Jordan without attaching picks, as Tommy mentioned. Palinka may even be trying to move Dwight Howard. That's that's interesting. Um, yeah, there are a lot of things going on, including recent reports that Detroit wants first-rounders for Jeremy Grant. Um, Grant doesn't want to be in a situation where he won't have offensive priority or be a focal point of the offense he essentially he doesn't want to do, do the denver thing again where he's like a tertiary role player um we're hearing that indy wants two first rounders for miles turner or a first rounder and a promising young piece um and then we also found out today that miles turner has a stress fracture and will be evaluated in two weeks but will likely be sidelined past the trade deadline and at that point even if his price was driven down by his injury and you were able to get him as the Lakers, given the cursed injury season you've had, do you even entertain this, right? So there's a lot of things swirling about that we'll kind of just give our thoughts on whatever peaks or interest. But first, Alan, how would you feel about trading Dwight Howard, whether that's to get a second round pick to be able to dump Bays or DeAndre or to just attach Dwight to one of the other two to get a team to take them on without the Lakers surrendering another pick, um, especially given what transpired with you know us getting punked by the Nuggets and, and Jokic. Yeah, what are your thoughts about, about trading Dwight just off the bat in a vacuum? Um, I'd rather not. I think he still provides a lot of value for us, and we know that he's not going to play every game, right? 
Um, but when he does, when there's a matchup uh, that we can exploit, um, for the most part, he's very productive. You know, he he still does get a lot of rebounds. Um, he may be he may not be as agile as he was during the championship season. We've seen maybe some drop off in athleticism there. Um, but I still think that he provides us a lot of value and like, okay, so if he's gone, I get it. We're doing a lot of small ball LeBron at the five, things like that. But some of that is out of necessity because Anthony Davis isn't here. So then when AD does come back, I just feel like you're going to be missing something in the rotation again without that quasi, you know, traditional big, however you want to define that, uh, especially for us from the defensive end, we know that, you know, rebounding, uh, is a problem with this team for the most part. Um, he's a guy that can come in and, and clean up the glass. Um, and, uh, you know, thinking in the playoffs, there are entire series, right, where he may not be used depending on who we're playing, but also depending on who we're playing, we might need to really rely on him for some impactful minutes. So uh, I would be wary of trading him. Yeah, and I think, I mean, You'd imagine and assume that if the Lakers traded Dwight, they have someone in mind as a replacement for Dwight, whether it's via the buyout market or via trade. Uh, Like, for example, Robin Lopez. I'm not saying they can get him, but if if Rob knew, oh, Robin Lopez is going to get bought out and we're going to get him instead. Even then, I feel like I would want Dwight still there, just as insurance for either one of them. As we've seen even in the Denver game when Dwight Howard was in foul trouble or whatever... Frank Vogel was forced to put in DeAndre all of a sudden because that's the only other big that was left there. So it's like, nah, I think we need two bigs. And regardless of, you know, whether we have a, a buyout market name in our back pocket, even just from an intangible, like, spiritual standpoint, I feel like this team needs Dwight. Uh, we already lost Rondo, who was like a team leader and an on-court coach that everybody loved. And I just don't want to continue to feel even more rudderless and to continue to lose that, you know, waning championship DNA that we had in the bubble. So for those reasons, I feel like that's why Dwight is important. But Tommy, do you have any thoughts on Dwight? And then one after you're done with that, maybe you can just transition us into, yeah, just what are your thoughts heading into the trade deadline and what, what you think the Lakers should do in terms of, is it wing specific that we need to trade for? Is it big specific? Or do you even think we have the assets to pull off anything significant? But first, you're, if you have any thoughts on Dwight. It is a little bit scary to move on from Dwight. Like you said, I, you would have to, it would have to be somebody that's a clear upgrade, right? Like, I don't know, is Robin Lopez a clear upgrade over Dwight? I feel like at this stage of their respective careers, they're about equal, you know? Or maybe, maybe, okay, maybe if you put them in a vacuum, Robin Lopez is slightly better because he's a little bit younger, but. Dwight has experience with this team and this system, and I don't know. There's pros. There's enough pros and cons and enough murkiness there that I feel like you're you're not neutral. So the only reason I can see Dwight's name coming up is if, you know, rightfully so, other teams think that Dwight could help them with extra front court depth as they make a playoff run, and they're willing to give up a asset, not a first round pick, obviously, but even a second round pick for a team that's super, super starved for assets uh, and might be willing to take anything. So the only way I see Dwight getting moved is if some team is offering a young guy with upside who could play on the perimeter, um, not a first round pick necessarily that type of caliber, that type of player, but somebody who is on a short-term contract who might be able to help us now with some youth Um, or we're getting a second round pick and we have a backup lined up. Those are the only two situations I could see it in terms of what the team needs, you know, going into the deadline or what they should be looking for. I think they need 
they need a lot, obviously, but I think the big ones are, you know, we always talk about wings. We had this problem with wings that like we were able to mold Kyle Kuzma into like a player that could kind of fill the void for us temporarily, but we never fully addressed it. And I think Mm -hmm. we still have not haven't addressed it. And we don't just need like a wing necessarily like a Stanley Johnson type wing, but we need specifically wings who can defend on the perimeter because our defense breaks down so easily on the perimeter. And it starts even with guys like Avery Bradley, who historically is known as being a good defender, but gets beat. I mean, it's not his fault. He's old. He's not trying. It's not that he's not trying, but he's just older and he doesn't have the same lateral quickness he used to have. And, you know, you see such a, huge difference when we go from that him to, you know, guys like THT or Austin Reeves or, you know, guys who aren't necessarily the most experienced or in the case of THT don't have defensive reputations at this stage, but, you know, because of their quickness on the perimeter are able to provide some resistance. Um, I think those are the two big ones. If you can get some shooting back, fine. But, you know, other than that, I think, Perimeter defense is going to be the only thing that's going to give this team a chance to be competitive in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. And I actually want to add that I actually, and the Denver Nuggets game kind of illuminated a lot of this for me as well. But as much as we want to push for the small ball thing, and as much as we saw visions and flashes of how fun and dynamic it can be, and obviously AD is going to come back, because of the coach that we have and just his sensibilities and tendencies as a coach, and given the style of play that we're going to encounter in the playoffs, I'm not sure, even if we do do those things, and obviously if we if we can't get any of these higher top-end names like Jeremy Grant or whatever, and we're looking at bottom barrel like wings to fill out the roster, I question how good a small ball team we are in comparison to the rest of the league where we've seen, I feel like 80% of this league is a modern NBA team that plays small ball better than even we do. Obviously, LeBron gives you a huge advantage, but just in terms of we're already putting ourselves at a disadvantage by playing Russell Westbrook already, right? So in that sense, not only do we need a wing, Tommy, I feel like just as a backup, but maybe not even as a backup, I think we could use an athletic rim-running big slash tweener. And we've talked about guys like Maxi Kleber and Larry Nance Jr. before. They can help you play small ball still, but they're not, I guess, traditionally known as like a wingy sort of dude. But in terms of what they can give you being fresh legs, but also having the height, I think that's kind of important. So I don't know. What do you guys think about Willie Willie Cauley-Stein is a bad example. He got cut by the uh, Dallas Mavericks and he's been out for much of the season for personal reasons. But what do you guys think about that sort of mold getting back to like the JaVale McGee-ish thing or even, you know, maybe shifting it to like the Nerlens Noel type of stuff? I've brought up before that I think the Knicks are hungry for any sort of playmaking guard that they can get in in light of Kemba Walker being injured and them not even playing him in the rotation, Derrick Rose being out for the last, you know, couple weeks, and they don't have a legitimate point guard. And so, you know, none is not a legitimate point guard by now because he hasn't even stepped onto the court. But I could see if he's able to get past this little hiccup that he's had, the Knicks coming to the Lakers and saying, hey, we'll give you Nerlens Noel for Kendrick Nunn. And I think at that point, I'm like, you know, Nerlens hasn't been a beacon of health this season as well. But in terms of like giving us an option outside of Dwight Howard to play sort of small, but also kind of give us that rim protection that Frank Vogel's used to. I'm kind of like, yeah, I think we need an athletic rim running big. If you can't get him on the trade deadline, 
try Harry Giles out. I don't know. He's like, he's of that mold. And if you've already had success with Stanley Johnson, why not try it out with a tweener, tweener sort of player like Harry Giles to see if you can make use of him? Because there's this dude named Marquise Chris who did really well in his audition for the Dallas Mavericks that I think would have been perfect on this team and what we're trying to do as we wait for AD to come back. And I'm just like, why didn't we try out Marquise Chris? So, Alan, any thoughts on that direction of like, yeah, of course we need a wing. We always need a wing. But like, I actually think we also need that tweener big sort of dude who's athletic and can rim run and stuff. Yeah, um, I would agree that uh, we we could definitely benefit from someone who has that foot speed, you know, to switch out onto the perimeter and, and actually do a semi-decent job, you know, of containing or at least like funneling into the defense, you know, versus just getting blown by. And uh, if they can recover with the type of length that JaVale had, because JaVale will get blown by constantly, he'd miss rotations, whatever. But because of his freakish length, he can block shots from like anywhere if he's in the paint. Um, <clears throat> so that would be incredibly valuable. Now, the question, like you said, if we were to trade like Kendrick Nunn, for example, I mean, I think we're all like, just hoping and waiting for Kendrick Nunn to come back, right? Because, like, he fills mm-hmm. such a void. Um, but because of a setback or whatever, um, and, and seeing how I, I guess we've been able to manage in some type of, like, Malik Monk is contributing more maybe than some people thought he would. Um, Austin Reeves surely is exceeding initial expectations uh, just when it comes to the initial roster construction. So it's like, okay, can we survive without Kendrick Nunn and make do with what we have um, in the backcourt? I suppose it would be disappointing. It would be a bummer, you know, to never see him suit up in a Laker uniform. Um, But I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, Tommy, just your quick thoughts on adding another big, whether it's a tweener big who can defend the rim kind of like Maxi Kleber or Nerlens Noel, or maybe just an insurance big. Like to me, I think we just need another big to fill DeAndre's spot just as insurance policy. So what are your thoughts on a guy like Willie Hernan Gomez on the New Orleans Pelicans, who the Pelicans are not going anywhere. I'm sure you can get him for a second round pick. Or here's a dark horse option. I don't know how good he is anymore, but former lotto pick number four pick of the 2013 draft, Cody Zeller on the Portland Trailblazers. But I mean, it's just like insurance you know at the end of the day and Cody Zeller can kind of space it he's been injured for I think much of this season but just an insurance big whether that's a tweener who's athletic or even these lower end guys where it's just like a big body in the event that what we saw in the Denver's Denver game where Dwight couldn't hack it or got himself in foul trouble at least we have another option outside of DeAndre Jordan to stick in there yeah I think we probably should get somebody it's a fair point I think though most teams play small, you still need a second option. Using the last night's game as an example, if you play, if we match, end up matching up with Utah in the playoffs, which is not out of the question, you want your goal and game plan is to ultimately draw Rudy away from the basket, but you still need somebody to throw out there. You know what I mean? Occasionally for him to, you know, make him work a little bit for Steph. And, and in our case, we have Dwight to at least throw out there. And if Dwight is hurt or for whatever reason, the matchup doesn't favor Dwight, I, yes, we should probably have a third guy on our team who's seven feet. Um, I don't think it's too much to ask. Or and, a second guy because DeAndre will be gone, but yeah. Well, oh yeah, that's true. I guess 80 is not a seven footer, or not really. A oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, I would go, rather than a Zeller type, I would be more interested in, 
not necessarily a retread. I mean, I try not to think about the Mar- Marquise uh, Chris thing just because it like we've kind of been thinking about this guy for like the last four years, it feels like, and it seems like he probably would have fit. And it, it, I guess the frustration with the Lakers current front office situation is it doesn't really seem like they're willing to take a risk until it like falls into their lap, like almost ass backward, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Like Stanley I mean, Johnson using. Yeah. And just using like one example. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Stanley Johnson is one example we were starved for wings all year. Ariza was like, you know, on a long timeline to come back. THT was on a long timeline to come back in the beginning of the season. And we had Stanley Johnson in our system and nobody was like, maybe we should give this guy a shot. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And even when the 10 days came up, it wasn't like, oh, maybe we should give him a shot as like the first 10 day option. It's like, we went to Isaiah Thomas and Darren Collison and uh, like a whole number of other, I mean, we went to Sean D Brown and like other, you know, guys like that before even. So yeah, it, you know, I, I would go with a Stanley Johnson esque like young guy who hasn't really proven anything yet, who you can maybe throw around some superstars and unlock that like innate talent that made that guy so valuable. Right. It's like, I think NBA scouts are wrong, obviously. They're not they're not perfect, but they can typically see what, you know, at least like at least if a guy is able to play well with other good players in college or coming up through high school or whatever, that is something that can that can potentially translate in the NBA. And if Harry Giles hasn't played well, you know, so far in the NBA, that's fine, but maybe he is not that lotto pick that people thought he might be when he was coming out of college, but maybe he's still a really good player if you put him around LeBron, AD, and Russ. You know, so I am more of the camp of like let's take more risks like that because yeah. we don't need more veterans to t- soak up playoff minutes right now. We need more guys to save LeBron's legs by playing during the season and putting forth some effort in the eighty-two games and grind of the season. And those guys fighting for their NBA lives who are young, you know, are going to buy into whatever you want them to buy into. And it's so frustrating because, Alan, we did all these off-season shows of like, here are the remaining free agents, Marquise Chris, Isaiah Hardenstein. And you see all these other teams take chances. You see Isaiah Hardenstein is literally playing better than Zubats, you know, this season. And it's like, these guys were there for the taking. And we chose to sign Avery Bradley. You know, like, okay, I get it. Avery Bradley has done good things for this team, but it's like, we should have been taking more of these flyers and, you know, you kind of give the Isaiah Thomas thing a pass because I think they were in the line of thinking that Russell Westbrook would enter health and safety protocols, but you're right, Tommy, like Chandi Brown, we don't need another six, five guy, you know, like I guess you, you take that shot on what's his name, the rebounding dude that we signed from the G league that we used to have before. What's his name? Uh, Jamario Jones, Jones, who didn't even play. And then, the Sekou Demboya stuff, the J- I mean, the Jay Huff, who didn't even get playing time. It's just, it's just weird that you wouldn't take a flyer on previous like lottery potential guys who've actually had NBA experience who, like you said, Tommy, you just put them in the right context and situation and maybe you can mine something positive there. So if there's a Harry Giles out there, you know, if, if Josh Jackson gets bought out, whatever, maybe take a, take a chance on some of those dudes. Maybe Josh Jackson is a bad example because he is a bit of a hothead, but Let's take it to break, and when we return, let's give some of like our predictions part one, early predictions part one of what we think this front office, this crazy front office might do. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll close the episode from there. All right, so we're back. Um, Alan, before we get to our early predictions, 
Do you think the Lakers can get a Jeremy Grant or a Miles Turner? Uh, no. Short answer. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, yeah, Tommy, I'm not you, feeling optimistic, you, sorry. There you go. Uh, Tommy, do you think the Lakers can get any of those two if they include the 2027 first round pick? And if they did that, would you want them to? Uh, they probably could get it with the 2027 first round. And I guess the underlying assumption here is that THT is involved for, for salaries. Um, so if they're willing to like throw all that out on the table, I personally, like, I don't think either of those guys are worth investing in for two reasons. I think one is you don't, it doesn't move the needle for you this year. You're not going to win a championship because you got Jeremy Grant or Miles Turner. And then two, those guys are just not that like Jeremy Grant left Detroit and does not seem to have made that much of a difference left Denver. in or excuse me, Denver and, and does not seem to make, have made that much of a difference and does not really seem to be moving the needle that much in Denver or Detroit, who I know is like a rebuilding team, but still, and, and miles Turner questionable, whether you can play that guy in the playoffs, if teams are going small against you. So is it worth trading like a, young, potentially dynamic future wing. I, I don't know. He so, also has a stress fracture. And he also has a stress fracture and might not be back, you know, in a reasonable time this year. So I'd, I'd say no to both of those. Yeah, I think it's just sad that any, like the Lakers have such limited assets right now that you know their best asset is a 2027 first in the future because teams can see blood in the water with how poorly Palenka has constructed this roster and managed assets that they know for sure the Lakers are going to stink in 2027. Give us that asset. To me, that's kind of depressing to think about where it's like, yeah, if you know things are leading that, if you, if you know teams are leaning that way, maybe hold on to it, <laughs> you know, in your back yeah. pocket. Um, okay. I mean, last question before we get to predictions. Okay. So let's say we can't get uh, Miles Turner or Jeremy Grant. Rung below that, Allen, Harrison Barnes. Like, okay, maybe you can get Harrison Barnes, but do you want Harrison Barnes? He's another 30-year-old. He's kind of like a meh, kind of like, okay, Tobias Harris-ish. Your, 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 your thoughts on Harrison Barnes? He's a nice player. Um, He's another guy that doesn't really do anything wrong, you know? He, he doesn't make, uh, like, flashy mistakes, if you will. And we, we kind of have a team full of guys like that. So in terms of stability, I suppose um, there's something to be said there. Would I want him? I'm just trying to understand, like, the fit. I mean, he's a good shooter, right? Um, mm-hmm. Is he – do you want him to become a catch-and-shoot type of guy? Because he can create his own shot. So now if we're talking about there's one ball – you know, and you have all these players who kind of demand the ball. What does that fit look like? So I'm not saying he's not mm-hmm. a good player for sure. Um, I think he could be helpful for a winning team. As far as the fit with us and what that looks like with the different personnel and lineups and all that, uh, I have a question mark. And yeah, in terms of like what we offer, yeah, like I, I don't know what that looks like. Yeah, I, I think with Barnes, it's like, okay, he has history earlier on his, in his career playing with like Steph and Dre and playing a tertiary role. But, and I think he would be less clunky offensively than Jeremy Grant, obviously. I actually don't even know how good he is defensively. He just has like a wings body and you're like, okay, hope this works. But um, I guess along those same lines, Tommy, my biggest fear, and this is kind of in the Harrison Barnes category, but maybe three rungs even lower is, my biggest fear is that the front office makes a panic 
trade move where they ship off THT and none for Robert Covington. And, you know, Robert Covington on paper in a vacuum, theoretically, yeah, he fits what this team wants to do. He's racking up the steals, racking up the blocks, can hit a three here and there. But he's an old guy who has, in my opinion, a very, very short shelf life for us. And even with everything that he does, and let's say we get the best version out of him and he's rejuvenated, whatever, I still don't know if he'd move the needle for us. But yeah, what are your thoughts on, on Rocco and I guess panic trade moves like that as you continue to move down the rung of like, okay, you can't get Jeremy Grant. How about Harrison Barnes? Okay, you can't get him. How about Robert Covington? Like, yeah, just your line of thinking there. Yeah, I guess Robert Covington I definitely don't want. Um, and I don't think it's going to cost that much to get him for a team that will get him. I, the unfortunate thing for us is because of how our salaries are structured. Like if we just had a guy who was, you know, I don't know, just... Like if, if Dwight Howard was making nine million or any of the, I, I think you can get Robert Covington is where I'm what I'm trying to say with like two second rounders mm-hmm. if you have the right salaries to move out, um, poss- probably to a third team because I think um, Covington, I think they pay, uh, Portland's just trying to dump either him or Nurkic or both to get below the luxury tax threshold right now. So I, I think they're looking for a straight dump and maybe for if they can get a second or two seconds, they would probably do it. Um, the only reason I'm not that worried about a panic trade right now is because I think this team is so clearly a rung below like the elite teams in the league that the guys have to know. And I, maybe I I'm giving them so. too much benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah. But I, you'd have to think that these guys know the front office meeting these guys, you know, know that, these types of moves are not going to make or break this season for us. And the reason I'm not chomping at the bit to even trade the 2017 first rounder where most people probably would 2027, 27. Yeah. Let's trade the 27. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Who was our 27? 20, <laughs> probably Ingram or something <laughs> or no Lonzo. Um, uh, I'm not chomping at the bit to trade the 2027 first rounder is because this summer we can t- trade two first round. We could trade 2027. We could play- trade 2029. We'll still have THT. Uh-huh. We'll have a little bit more roster flexibility. Like that gets you something potentially. You never know who becomes available. Things change in this league like True. super fast. Guys like are doing crazy stuff all the time. So I'm not saying that gets you Ben Simmons, but like it could, that could, that is like a package that could get you something serious. Um, potentially in the summer. And if you know that none of these moves are going to move the needle for you, then I just don't think it really makes sense to do it, to do it right now. And I have to think, I have to think they agree, but I hope they agree. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. And also in the off season, you just have like a much clearer head without the pressures of, we need to flip this around now. And you're just kind of by default repairing THT and Nunn's trade value, even if you want to ship them out. And that also has the added benefit of working out for you this season as well or into the future if you keep them. Um, but with that said, let's let's um, close this episode with any early predictions for what you think might happen at the trade deadline, whether you have a specific name or whatever, or you just want to say, I don't think anything big happens, but maybe they do this. This is your open space to give any predictions you want to throw out there. So Alan, you're up first. What direction are they going? Uh, I think they're going to move fairly laterally. (laughs) I don't think that there's going to be a splash. Um, I I think like if if we're trying to get rid of DeAndre and Baysmore, okay. Like, but obviously we know what we'd be getting in return again, isn't anything significant, um, in terms of stuff to just get excited about. So 
yeah, I, I agree with everything that Tommy just said, actually, is that most likely they view this team as being mediocre. And what's the point in so making sad. some sort of like, you know, um, dramatic move uh, if, if we're not really going to get anywhere? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Tommy, give me your early predictions if you haven't already done so. And then interesting question for you is, is there a chance the Lakers trade Malik Monk? So it's interesting. I think this season, the trade deadline, despite all these like kind of big-ish names for midseason trades, I'll even include like guys like Miles Turner in this because you typically don't see a ton of guys of that caliber moving around. I mean, the trade deadline is usually a letdown just in general. But I think this year, one thing that's going to make it even more of a... I don't think it's going to be as as wild of a market this year because of this play-in situation. I think last year you kind of saw the first go around and maybe teams don't necessarily react to, you know, teams are slow to react maybe sometimes. And it was a weird COVID shortened season. And there was a lot of asterisks on last year, right. And in terms of how things shook out, but I think this play in thing is kind of changing the dynamics a little bit of how teams are approaching the trade deadline. New Orleans is two games out of the 10 spot. Mm. Which is just wild, you know? And, like, Zion's coming back, like, for example. I mean, you have teams like San Antonio, who's, yeah, they don't have the talent, but they they try to compete. They have a quality coach. Sacramento hasn't made the playoffs in 15, 16 years. They're a game and a half out of the 10th seed for, for that play-in, you know? So I think there's going to be a lot more, a lot less player dumping than happens in normal seasons. Like normally if you get to the deadline and there's a team at like 10, that team is like trying to dump contracts. And I think, yeah, there are teams that fit that bill Portland, for example, because Dane is going to be out and uh, is going to fit that bill a little bit. But you look at the East, like one through 12, those teams are all still trying to make the playoffs. Atlanta is 10th seed or a 12th seed currently in the East. And they are going to try to claw their way back into that 10. New York is 11. They're certainly going to not stop competing. And then you obviously have the top 10. And similarly in the West, I mean, the top nine is ninth seed is Minnesota. And then you have the 10th is Portland. They'll probably fall out, but you have a bunch of teams under them that might be trying to make a move to get up. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't, if the Lakers' plan is to dump some guys like Bays and DeAndre and then kind of wait for the buyout market to shake out, I don't know that you can really rely on that as much this year because I don't think as many teams are going to just be like cutting guys loose so that they can tank for the remaining 30 games or whatever as would happen in in, in prior or has has happened in prior years because of the way this play-in situation is kind of working out. So in terms of trades, like if the Lakers can get an actual player back, like let's say some team needs some wing depth from a veteran who hasn't played this year, but was giving significant minutes last year in Baysmore, maybe we can get a player back for that. But like, if, if the plan is to just move them without having a backup, like it's going to be weird to see the timing, I guess is what I'm getting out of how this all shakes out. I don't think we're going to do anything until literally the day of the trade deadline. When mm -hmm. we kind of get a sense from around the league of who else is being traded who might be cut or whatever, because like if, if the plan is wave Baysmore just to create or trade Baysmore just to create a spot, they, they're going to need to know that like there's going to be an NBA player available that they can fill in on that spot. Cause there's not a ton of those guys just floating around right now. And I don't think there will be as many in the future. One interesting thing about your Malik Monk point is 
you know, it is sort of signaling, and, and this is why I don't think it'll happen. It's sort of signaling that you just think you don't have a chance this year if you trade a guy like Malik Monk because he is our best bench player. And when, you know, when he was starting, or to the extent he's been our starter, uh, a starter for us, he's been like one of our best starters too. <laughs> so, like, mm-hmm. you know, he's just like one of our best players overall. He's like, if you want to count Russ as part of the big three, I'll leave them out of this. He's our best non big three player overall this year. Um, and to just trade him away, like if you can get a first round pick, that would be great. And there was a time where for a guy like him, you could get a first round pick just for a rental, but you're just really signaling to the rest of the team and to the rest of the league that you just don't think this team has a chance this year. So you're trying to stockpile assets for the future. And I just don't think that's a look that the Lakers are going to be willing to give, even if somebody was dangling a first rounder. Um, I agree, but I have a counterpoint to that actually. Yeah, go ahead. What if, and I'm not even saying that I would do this with THT, but what if the Lakers are also considering long-term goals? And if they know that they can't retain Malik Monk, they don't know that for sure, but they're you know judging the market and all that stuff and how hot he's been. What if they attach Monk to THT and trade him off to, let's say, Sacramento, where they get a Buddy healed? And again, I'm not saying I would do this even for THT, Buddy healed straight up. But a scenario of that sort where you you use T, uh, Monk as the sweetener to get a guy who can do kind of what Monk can do, not as exciting as yeah. Monk, obviously, but you retain him through next year so that you're not left so that, empty-handed. I actually, I think that's interesting for multiple reasons, and this would be so funny if this ends up happening. So Sacramento, they are trying to sell on Buddy and and uh, Harrison Barnes. The interesting thing about that trade is, is to the extent they're trying to keep De'Aaron... Darren and Monk were college teammates, and That's Monk kind of, too. you know, Monk kind of balances out Darren quite a bit, and maybe you think that maybe that helps them retain Monk a little bit in the off season. Plus, they, I think, they will have cap space, so they will be able to make him an offer at least. Um, and plus, you get Tht, who I think, by the way, was was he college teammates with Halliburton, or they he just was know each other? he was that would be <laughs> insane. So, so uh, you know, that is kind of an interesting one because at least you're then getting back a player who will be on the team next year. Um, so I could see them maybe doing something like that, but I don't know that I would see. I could see them trading away Monk for another minimum player for this year or for like yeah, a pick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if they if they were going to do something like that, that would definitely change my perspective a little bit yeah if they trade none again i think it would be as a sweetener for like another player that they could retain that's already under contract that would help them now and later so we'll see i don't know it's interesting i personally want to continue to see monk play and just ride it out kind of he's been fun one of the few bright spots of this team um and yeah for those reasons i don't think we're gonna shake up continuity again (laughs) you know just to you know yeah, just to think about the the future, but we'll we'll see. Uh, so for me, my early predictions are kind of like Alan. I don't think the Lakers end up with any any of the top tiered name guys, the Miles Turners, Jeremy Grants of the world. I do think, as I intimated earlier, that there is a deal to be made with the New York Knicks or the Dallas Mavericks. So I'm going to go out here out on a limb and say I think the Lakers make a deal with those two teams, whether it's uh, Kendrick Nunn and Bazemore for Nerlens Noel, and I bring up the Nunn and Knicks connection because I think the Knicks actually offered Nunn more money this offseason, but he turned them down to sign with us. So there's definitely interest there. It's all about whether he's healthy enough to play, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I could see them doing like a Kendrick Nunn and DeAndre for Noel or Nunn and Bays for Noel and serving two purposes of getting that rim running big that I was mentioning earlier, but also freeing up a roster spot. 
Or I could also see them um, trading Nun over to the Mavs. Again, a lot of this is contingent on Nun's health, which has been non-existent this season. But let's say he he's able to get over the hump of his setback and play a little bit and show a little bit of something. I know that the Dallas Mavericks are... They need to make a decision on Jalen Brunson this offseason. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And maybe they just, outside of helping Brunson out this season, they could always use another primary creator next to Luka to shoulder that burden. So I could see them wanting none and taking on his you know, early bird rights and hoping that he uh, taps into his player option for next season. And uh, I don't know if they'd give us Dorian Finney-Smith, but that's kind of what we'd ask them for, right? So I just say that I think the Lakers in totality, will maybe pull off a lower-end type deal. So maybe with the Knicks, maybe with the Mavericks, possibly with the Sacramento Kings, but not for Buddy Heal, but more for like Mo Harkless or something. Mo Harkless is making $4 million. Tommy said it's not likely that teams will buy out their players because they're, they're of use to other teams in the league now because a lot of other teams are in play and consideration. So maybe they can get assets out of Mo Harkless. And in that event... I don't know, throw a second their way, you know, for Mo, Har- Mo Harkless so that you can continue to solidify your like Stanley Johnson, like wing core of being able to play a more versatile style of small ball. So I could see those types of moves happening. Outside of that, I'm almost certain that Wayne Ellington gets moved, um, whether it's for a second round pick that we use uh, to dump a DeAndre or a base, or whether Wayne is the asset that gets a team to absorb Baysmore and DeAndre currently I don't see his role on the team and you've seen him not in the rotation anymore. I think he could be helpful to this team because of his elite shooting. I also think he could be helpful to a contending playoff team that needs that as they like try and go for the play in spot or whatever. But those are my main predictions that we, I think there's a deal to be, be made with the Mavs, the Knicks or the Sacramento Kings. And I also think that Wayne gets moved. So, um, Tommy Allen, any other things to add or any other things you want to throw into the pond of like, here's my prediction. Let's see if it happens. I don't have any specific predictions, but I think, I mean, I I agree at at a high level with a lot of the stuff you're saying and Boston Celtics are another team that are looking heavily, you know, for a shooter. There's a lot of teams that are going to try to be buyers right now than I think is typical again, just given this weird playoff uh, structure, the play-in structure that we have now. So, I'm in the Lakers have. I mean, these guys are not just like DeAndre is a special case, but the other guys could legitimately help a team right now. And and I think Wayne is the probably the best example. Bays is a really good example too. And there should be some interest, you know. So if we can, again, it's it all comes back to my original point of like is the goal to move these guys to create a roster spot or are we getting something back for these guys? And I think that's just something we can never, we can't really know, but this team could look a lot different. I mean, there have been big midseason shakeups where we just, we could just do three like small deals on the side, basically swapping out, you know, Bays and Deandre and Wayne for like three actual players and not mm-hmm. just like roster dumps. And we just have no idea of knowing, no way of knowing who those guys are, but that could make a big shakeup in the, in a team that's, you know, trying to play with more energy and, and more defensive spirit. Yeah, I agree. Alan, any last thoughts or words? Um, no, I, uh, I'm actually a little more hopeful or optimistic that something might happen um versus before i'm yeah at most i thought maybe we would try to dump some guys 
uh, but not get anything in return. But Tommy, I think that uh, your point about the play in, you know, and how this is kind of curing the tanking issue of the NBA. Um, if we're just going to look at it like big picture, what was the intention here? It is more competition. And in some ways that actually does make conversations like this, um, like more interesting because it's more real, you know, it's not just like teams trying to dump stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're actually trying to get better. Uh, so just in terms of quality, I, I think that that's good for the league. Yeah. And the last thing I'll add is if there was any positive quality, not to, to back on Palinka so much, but his one main strength is his connections and his networking, right, as a former agent. And if there's one thing that Rob has done well as the GM of the Lakers, it's the buyout market, guys. In fact, I think his best move as a GM was signing Markeith Morris off the buyout market for free. And Markeith Morris leading us in the playoffs with a in three-point percentage, right, and helping us in that respect. So I hope... Rob Palinka is able to pull something out of that magic hat, use his connections. He he should know in advance, hopefully by doing some snaky behind the back things or whatever, who may be on the buyout market, who may not be, who he needs to give a second round pick for, et cetera, et cetera. So Rob Palinka, it's time to step up is all I'll say. And uh, he has a track record of doing so. And we're going to need him to do that more than ever because he's given away a lot of uh, precious assets that he could have used right now. So he's going to have to make up with that, make up for that with uh, his mouth. Does that sound dirty? Uh, I mean, his uh, <laughs> uh, negotiating skills, <laughs> I think, is better. <laughs> uh, yeah, so with that said, we'll leave it right there. And uh, th things could change on the daily as we march towards the trade deadline. So, uh, Tommy, Alan, I will catch you both later. Laters. Peace. Peace. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.